Thank you, Lisa. That was powerful and needed, and that encouraged me. And I was about jumping off my seat when I was listening to her say all those encouraging words. Hey, uh, Jesus uh, made a promise in the Gospel of Matthew right after Peter said, if you're asking me, Jesus, who you are, I say that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon, Peter, that wasn't revealed to you by man. That was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And he said, and on this rock, on the rock of Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not prevail against it. Now that promise Jesus made, that is still good today. That has never been revoked. So Jesus is still going to be building his church every day, every hour in this world up until this day. And this local church, Sebastopol Christian, we're not going to stop building the kingdom of God either. We're still going to be giving to our missionaries. We're still going to be serving the homeless. We're still going to be communicating to all of you. And if we go to slide three, I just want you to know in some of the ways that we're continuing to communicate to you. Uh, for example, our online communication. I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, we certainly noticed because we're producing it. We have been sending out tons of of uh, slides, of encouraging words, of scriptures, of videos, short videos that we're making with our online communication, with our social media on Facebook and at Instagram, with our emails. We're trying to go over the top so that we can stay connected even if we are socially, physically isolated. We are doing whatever we can to help keep you spiritually healthy. So with that in mind, let's go right into the message today. Uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on this message. Lord, we pray for the filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, to, to give me the unction, the passion, the clarity that I need to declare your word the way you want me to. But Lord, if we don't want your, your seed to fall on bad soil, so Lord, open up our hearts so, to where your seed, the, the, the seed of the word of God will fall on good soil and good hearts. And people can take it in, and that seed can grow and develop them spiritually so we can all be healthy together. Lord, help us to do that right now through the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, Saturday, after Lisa and I dropped off that food to one of our, our church members, uh, we went over to do some shopping at Trader Joe's. And we went over to Trader Joe's, and we figured there'd be a lot of people there. So we already knew it from the week before that people would be waiting outside, and they would be waiting outside, you know, trying to practice all the protocols of social distance. And what was really cool is, as we're going around the corner waiting in line, we see these pieces of tape on the ground. And the pieces of tape were all these six-foot measured distances that we could stand behind each other. And so I'm thinking to myself, hey, we're doing what we can uh, to stay healthy and to do our part to, to practice that social distancing so that we can flatten the curve and be able to get over the top and get past this coronavirus. Because like we said last week, this is temporary. It will come to an end. What does God want to do in us and through us while this crisis is going on? That's what we're dealing with right now. But someday this crisis is going to come to an end. We're going to be able to meet together again, and it's going to be great. So anyway, the other thing I wanted to tell you about Trader Joe's is Lisa and I are walking around the aisles and the shelves. We're doing our shopping, and I'm kind of watching the people and their faces. Uh, a lot of the people were wearing masks. Some of the people were shopping by themselves. 
But, but the main thing I noticed was the attitude, just the environment in there. It was so down. It was a malaise. It, the people were dejected. The people were quiet. The people were subdued. Uh, they were not in a happy, joyful, jubilant mood at all. And I think it's part of the, of the effect that this social isolation and, and all this is having on people. You know, David Kessler... Uh, has developed a, uh, a counseling ministry. He's a trauma specialist with Los Angeles Police Department. And I know that he has something to say about that, and I'm going to get that to a minute, in just a minute. There's a time of crisis that we're living through with everybody, and you see a lot of these different reactions that are out there, different reactions from people. You know, some people get angry about it. I'm mad. I'm mad at all the limitations that, I, that, I'm, that I'm going through. You can't keep me bound at home. I want to go back to work. I'm angry about it. Another attitude, I'm freaking out. You know, I'm looking at the future and I'm saying, how long is this going to go on? And how many people are going to get sick and die? And I don't want to be one of them. And so they're freaking out. Some people are sad. They just don't, they don't like these changes. They don't want to have to deal with this new reality. Some people are worried. They're worried about the, their finances and the future, and it's uncertain. And how long is this lay, are these layoffs and closed businesses and restaurants and everything, how long is that going to go on? Some people are upset because they feel they have no control. I just, I, I don't have any control over my life anymore. Some people are just paralyzed and numb. Paralyzed and numb, and you know, a lot of people try to numb their pain. I think that's one of the reasons why the government made these cannabis stores and these marijuana shops uh, deemed essential businesses. And I thought to myself, why would a business like that be deemed essential? Because the government knows that people are going to try to numb their pain, and that's the way to do it. And they're, uh, in a way, trying to help people get through this. Um, just overall, people have this sense, this feeling. I have this gut-level anxiety, and it just won't go away. Well, I believe that God has a better way for us. I believe that the, even though we acknowledge the feelings that we're going through with this pandemic crisis, that God is going to show us a different response, a different perspective, and a different purpose uh, that can help us go through these times. So I want to share this scripture with you. And then I'm going to share with you what uh, this LAPD trauma man, David Kessler, has to say. Look what, look what James says in his letter. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus, right? So James grew up with Jesus and his family. He didn't believe in Jesus as Messiah for a long time. But after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to James in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that. And James became an avid follower of Jesus. In fact, he became a prominent leader in the early Jerusalem church. And James wrote a letter to God's people. And in the beginning of this letter, this is how James begins his communication to a church who is going through a lot of persecution and trouble in their day. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And you're sitting there, you, you read that and you say, consider it an opportunity to lament, consider it an opportunity to pray, consider it an opportunity to freak out. Consider, what? You're saying this is an opportunity for joy? What are you talking about, James? And then he says, well, let me get to the why behind this what. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed... 
you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I think all of us who follow Jesus and who believe in Him, we all want to grow in our Christian faith. We all want to become more like Christ in the way we think and in our worldview and in our attitudes. We want to be more loving and kind and gracious and purposeful in this life that we live. We all want to be more like Jesus, but how many of us want to go through the testing and the trials that it takes to get there? Ah, that's the challenge, you know. I, I want to be like Jesus, but I want to go through these trials. Come on. But without the trials, there is no test. And our, te- our faith is being tested during this time of trial. And the, the good news is that we have a chance to grow. Our patience, our endurance, our long-suffering, our, we, can, we can all grow and be, become more like the Lord. David Kessler, as I told you, he's a trauma specialist with the Los Angeles Police Department. He looked at all the anxiety that we've been going through in this coronavirus pandemic, and he says, you know that feeling, that anxious, unsettled, uh, uncertain about the future feeling that we're going through right now? He says that feeling you're feeling is actually a form of grief. He says, we're feeling a number of different griefs. We feel the world has changed, and it, and it has changed. We know this is temporary, but right now it doesn't feel that way. We realize things will be different. You know, just like back in September 11, we knew that from that time on, going to the airport is going to be forever different than it was before September 11th hit. Things will change, and this is the point in which they change. There's a loss of normalcy. There's a fear of economic uh, uh, downturn. There's this loss of connection that we have with friends and family members. This is hitting us, and collectively, it is a form of grief. We're not used to this kind of collective grief in the air. So, So that's the grief we're feeling about the present. We're also sort of anticipating grief as we look into the future, right? Uh, we're saying that there, we feel, we sense that there's this storm coming. There's something bad out there. With the virus, this kind of grief, it's so confusing for people in our primitive mind. Here's what it is. We know something bad is happening, but we can't see it. And that breaks our sense of security. It, it shatters our sense of safety. And we're feeling the loss of that today. And a good label to put on it is grief. Now, it's good to know that everybody goes through grief. Grief is the, the natural reaction that we have to a form of loss in our lives. And there are stages of grief that we go through. And you see the, the stages of grief lifted, uh, listed up there on the screen. First of all, there's denial. There's denial. And that's what a lot of us say when this virus first hit. You know, hey, this virus, it's going to be in other places, but it's not going to affect us. There's the first denial. Then there's anger. Anger, you know, this idea, you're making me stay home. You're taking away my activities. I don't like it. Lisa and I were just trying to walk in the park. Was it Friday? We're walking in the park Friday morning, and a park ranger comes up, and he he brings this new sign that he's going to post, and he says, you realize the park is closed? And I said, well, you realize that we're only walking on the edge of the park on the sidewalk? And he says, hey, the park is closed, but I'm going to put up another sign, even though people like you ignore it. We're like, uh, okay, so we're out of here. So, so we, we left the park immediately, but this idea like you're, this, this 
pandemic we're going through, you're taking away my normal activities. I don't like that. And then there's bargaining, right? There's bargaining. Okay, okay, if I, if I socially distance myself, if I do what the government tells me that we're supposed to do, if I just do it for like two weeks, then everything will be fine. We'll be all back to normal, right? I did, I, that's my, that's what I did. The last two weeks, I was the bargainer. God, please make this only last two weeks and let's get back to normal, please, in Jesus' name. And I thought if I, you know, like you say, in Jesus' name, hey, he's going to answer it. Well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. There's, there's denial, there's anger, there's bargaining, then there's just sadness. I, this feeling, I don't know when this is going to end. And without seeing the end of the picture, I don't really have much hope. Hope really believes that there's a better day coming. Sadness and despair is like there's nothing but doom and gloom in the future. And I think a lot of people are feeling that way. And then finally, there's, a, there's the, the, the last stage of grief, which I think is the best. It's called acceptance. You, you say to yourself, okay, this, this pandemic, this crisis is happening. I have to figure out how to proceed. Uh, and that acceptance is where the power lies. You know, I think that's where you start to say, look, I can practice social distancing. I can figure out a way to work from home. I can still get the things I need. They haven't closed the supermarkets. They haven't closed the gas stations. I'm not going to starve, right? We can practice pajamas and pancakes. Now, I don't know if you do that with your family. Yesterday morning, Lisa and I did that with our grandkids and our kids. You know, we, we got online. I fi we figured out how to FaceTime and put it on the computer, uh, my laptop screen. So, um, we cooked pancakes, and our grandkids and our kids cooked pancakes up in Roseville, and we connected with each other for like a half hour, 45 minutes. And was it ideal? No. Was it better than nothing? Oh, yes. And we, so we, there are ways that we can stay connected. There's a new reality, and acceptance helps us to get there, right? So we did all that. Now, Ray Johnston says this, too. Uh, he's a pastor uh, at Granite Bay uh, Bayside Church. In fact, he pastors all the Bayside churches. When you make, he says this, when you make a new move, when you go through a change in your life, you go through some, uh, some of these other stages, right? You, you start to go through the change and you realize, oh, man, everything is new, right? Like that first day. You remember that first day you had to go to a new school and you're walking around? I don't know anybody. I don't, need, I don't know where the classes are. I got to meet my teachers. They're going to mispronounce my name. They're going to call me Swanee instead of Swaney, and everybody's going to laugh. And it's going to be like, ah, <laughs> this, this is not good. Everything is new. Everything is different, right? You keep comparing the way things are now to the way things used to be. And I am out of my comfort zone. Lord, I don't like this. Everything's different. And then everything is wrong. Oh, my gosh. When Lisa and I were missionaries in Chile, there were so many times we went through this waves of culture shock saying, this is wrong. These people sleep until 9 or 10 in the morning. That's wrong. At least I thought so. They stay up till 1 or 2 in the, in the morning. What a waste of time. That's wrong. Oh, they, they spend two hours eating a lunch. You know, they could use their time so much better. That's wrong. You know, everything was wrong as we're trying to get used to a lifestyle and a new culture and a new country, right? Why do they do it that way? How many times did we say, why do they do it that way? And then finally, you go through the, the, the major change and you get to this place on the other side. And I remember we were probably our second 
year in Chile, and we finally got to that point of acceptance. We said, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. And that's where acceptance comes in. And it will happen if you let perseverance do its work, like James says, right? So here we go. What do you do when the hard times hit, right? We go back to James. We go back to that scripture. Let's read it one more time. Dear brothers and sisters, when, remember when, not if, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, right? In every crisis, there's an opportunity. There's something good that can come out of this crisis. God is working all things together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purposes, right? So what is the potential good that can happen? Before you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. Okay, sorry. I digress for a minute. But when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. When we get to that point of acceptance, if we get to that point of saying, okay, God, there's a new reality, and this is the way we're going to do things for a while, and I'm okay with it, and we're going to make the best of this situation, and you know, even though if we're, we're separated from each other and we can only meet online, we're going to make our online communication more frequent, more numerous. We're going to just try to just blanket you, flood you guys with, with encouragement and, and inspiration from God and from His Word. We're going to do that. So it's coming. Look for more short videos from this guy right here. So you will be perfect. If that happens and you let endurance fully develop in you, you will be perfect and complete. Another word for complete is mature. We're going to grow up and become mature. We're going to need nothing. So what are we supposed to do? How can we, uh, what do we do when the, top, when the hard times hit? We can do at least four things. This is on your sermon outline. This is what was emailed to you on Friday. I hope you have it in front of you. I hope you printed it up. This is the sermon outline, the four things, the four uh, ways and four things we can do when hard times hit. Number one, we can rejoice instead of complain. If you can learn to rejoice instead of complain, you've already got a better attitude. Now, what can you rejoice over, right? Philippians 4.4, Paul says this to that church. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. You want to learn how to rejoice, go ahead and read the book of Philippians in the New Testament. It's full of joy and rejoicing, even though Paul was in prison when he wrote that letter. If he can rejoice while he's chained to a Roman guard for the second year of his life in a row, then we can learn to rejoice as we're limited in this coronavirus crisis, right? Rejoice instead of complain. Rejoice in God and over what cannot be taken away from you. What can we rejoice? What cannot be taken away from us? God's promises cannot be taken away. They never fail. God's presence can never be taken away. He is with us even in this storm. We can rejoice that the precautions that we've practiced have, have resulted in way less sick people and way less people who not only get sick but have to die. So that those precautions are working. We can rejoice that the scientists right now, they're working on developing a vaccine and they're developing medicines that, to deal with this virus and to take care of it. That's something we can rejoice in. We can rejoice instead of complain. And when we do, we get a better attitude and we start changing the environment around us, changing our homes around us 
having an attitude of joy rather than of complaint. We start moving away from discouragement and we start moving forward with hope. That cannot be taken away from us. So we rejoice instead of complain. You know, what does 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 say? Some of the shortest verses in the Bible. Always be joyful. Wow, that's easier said than done. Never stop praying. Uh, I think we've learned to pray more consistently and constantly than we ever have before. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Uh, those are all great things that we can do. Uh, be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. That's what God's will is for us. Number two, besides rejoicing instead of complaining, we choose faith instead of fear. Now, that gives us a better perspective. We choose faith over fear. We talked about that a lot last week. Your circumstances haven't changed yet, but you have. You've chosen to be faithful to God. You've chosen to be hope-filled instead of discouraged during this crisis. And that faith response gives you a healthy center. Look what Paul says in Psalm 34, not Paul, look what David, the psalmist, says in Psalm 34 and verse 4. He said, I prayed to the Lord. In fact, this is a great verse. It, this is a great verse that will get us through this crisis. He says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Wow, a better perspective. We choose faith instead of fear. Number three, we're going to choose to stay instead of run. We're going to choose to stay instead of run. That means that we're going to have a better response. You know, if you can stay instead of run, that will build your character, right? Think about it in terms of marriage, right? Uh, what, what happens to marriages? How do marriages go to the distance? It's because the husband and wife hang in there. They stay instead of run. Husbands and wife, wives, they choose to honor their marriage vows they choose to stay together even when they feel like giving up, even sometimes when they feel like bailing out or running away. You know, this trial that we're going through, God says, if you let God do his work in you, he says, you're going to be better for it. You're going to grow something awesome inside of you. He's growing faith. He's growing trust. He's growing your patience and your endurance and sometimes that growth process is painful, but if you get to the other side, it's actually great because he builds hope in us. The, the idea that we trust God, things will get better, right? So we choose to stay instead of run. And then finally, number four, we're going to serve instead of sulk. Now, how many of you guys are tired of sulking? right? Oh, not me. I'm not a sulker. Yeah. Well, you ask the people around you if, if you're a sulker or not. You're not the best judge of that, right? You know, sulking could be like bad breath. Everybody knows you have it except you, right? So if you serve instead of sulk, that's practicing what Paul says in, to the Galatian church. He says, use your freedom. Use your freedom that we have right now to serve one another in love. And even if you're isolated at home with your, with your, your partner or your spouse or, or other family members, that is an opportunity for you to serve them. You can be the hands and feet of Jesus to someone. And if you can get out of the house and you, can, uh, and you know somebody who has a need, like remember you saw that table with all the food and, the, and the, the, the things that are downstairs that will help people like toilet paper and paper towels and sanitizer and all that stuff? We have 
resources to help people. We know people that came to the church and got a bag to bring to somebody. They didn't even bring it for themselves. I thought it'd be like, well, if you have a need, you can come down to the church and get it. But people were coming down to the church to get a bag for somebody else. And I even thought that was better. There's the prayer. Lord, show me how to show your love to someone else today. And if you pray that prayer and you mean it, he will show you how to do it. You can serve instead of sulk. That gives you a better response, right? For all of those days we've been stuck at home, sequestered with our family members or roommates, isn't there a time when somebody around you uh, annoyed you, uh, got under your skin a little bit, tried your patience? Um, I'm certainly not for me and Lisa, but maybe for the rest of you, haha. Um, and with the added stress, we're getting, we get a little testy, you know, that stress and anxiety that doesn't build patience, that doesn't build, oh, after you, no, my dear, after you. No, it actually gets us testy and chippy, and sometimes you look up to heaven and you're saying, Lord, I don't want to blow it right now, I don't want to lose it, so please help me. And you know what God whispers back? He says, he says, my child, hang in there, be patient. Guard your tongue. Don't overreact. Take a deep breath and learn to persevere. And don't quit. Learn to stay instead of run. Learn to choose faith over fear, right? You can do all of that. I'm going to help you. Your, my Holy Spirit is within you. Listen to the voice of your Holy Spirit. That Christ-like character inside of you is getting a chance to grow, so let it grow. You can learn to serve instead of sulk. Now, finally, what is God's goal in all this? God's obviously he's sovereign. He's allowing us to go through all this trial. What is something that God could accomplish for us, for you, during this time of crisis? Remember the last verse in, in this passage, James, your endurance has a chance to grow. You know what, if you, if you do it God's way, if you get into God's word, if you pray more, if you listen to Christian music, if you go on Christian podcasts, if you go online to Facebook and Instagram and you get encouraging words like we're trying to send you and other uh, churches, leaders are trying to send you, you will be encouraged. You will understand at a, deeper, at a deeper level that no matter what happens during this crisis, nothing can derail the mission of God. He's going to accomplish his purposes. He's drawing more people to himself. They're saying right now that more people are tuning in online to churches overall in America than we're going to church live before this crisis hit. So there's something that God is doing in our midst, and we just need to find out what the Father is doing and join him in that work. Nothing can derail the mission of God. Nothing can erase the promises of God. They are sure every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And then finally, nothing can stop the love of God. That's what Lisa said when, she, when we did our communion time together. She said, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for us. He, he, he endured the pain, the suffering, the humiliation of the cross because he wanted to have one complete full day of absolute abject suffering for you rather than spend all eternity in heaven without you. Jesus made a way for you to be forgiven. Are you going to accept his offer? 
He says, I stand at the door and knock. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that he will come into you. Are you ready to open the door of your heart to Jesus? He's the risen one. He's the one who went through death and burial and was raised from the dead. He's the one who gives us the hope of forgiveness and eternal life. And he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to trust in me. Are you ready to trust in him? Let's pray together. Hannah, I would like you to come up and prepare for our final song. But will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, you are the one who's worthy of all honor and glory and praise. As we sang in that great praise song, worthy is the Lamb. You are worthy because you were slain. And with the blood you shed, you were the substitute sacrifice that paid for all of the sins, all of the punishment for sin and death was laid out on you so that we wouldn't have to endure that, so that we could be reconciled to holy, righteous God. Lord Jesus, right now we come to you and we say, we believe in you, Lord Jesus. We trust in you. We put our faith in you. We ask you to come into our hearts and to be our savior, to be our leader of our lives forever. Lord, show us what it means to follow you. Keep our hearts faithful to you. Lord, I know this week is going to come, and in the days ahead, we're going to face temptations. We're going to face trials. Lord, let those trials and temptations give our faith a chance to grow. Lord, let it produce joy in our lives, the joy that comes knowing that if we resisted a temptation by your grace, if we overcame a trial, if we practiced love and patience and forgiveness and long-suffering, if we bear with one another's burdens, Lord, if we do all that, we're becoming more like you. And Lord, that's going to create joy and hope in our lives. So Lord, we look to you. We rely on your Holy Spirit. We need your help this week as we face another another time of isolation. But Lord, let it not isolate us from each other. Let us certainly not isolate ourselves from you because you are ready to be there for us every moment of every day. Thank you for this time we've had to gather together as your people. Thank you for this time of worship. And thank you for your word that encourages our hearts and fortifies us for the days ahead. It's in Jesus' name we lift up all these prayers to you. Amen.
beautiful song and that reminds us that no matter what happens to us here on earth, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's risen from the dead. He's overcome the grave and he gives us his spirit by faith in him all during the week. So please uh, stay on our email, stay on our, webs uh, on our website, stay on our Facebook, social media, Instagram. We're going to stay connected with you. So you do your part to stay connected with us. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday.